Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Alice. Hey, Greg, what are you doing here? Hey, what do you mean? What I, Allison, where do you, you come from, Greg? I came from the world of childish, and I just want to make sure that your listeners know that you're just as wonderful on the on the other podcast you do. What if they don't have kids? Don't need them. You don't need them. <laughs> A lot of our listeners actually tell us they don't have kids. We talk about sex. We and talk about all sorts and, of dirty stuff, yeah. but also parenting stuff. Yeah. So check out Childish new episodes every Wednesday wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone! Hi, hello! Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm sitting here in the pod cabin now. Tony Thaxton is my producer. Is back in town after his most recent tour. However, his most recent tour has left him with celebrity style exhaustion, and by that I don't mean that he's been doing drugs and has collapsed or anything like that. Which I think is that's what I think of when I think of celebrity style exhaustion. I'm just saying he told me he's sick and like more exhausted than he's ever been so this is a plea to motion city soundtrack the band he plays in please fire him please fire him he is missing too many podcast episodes um and i know some people might think that that's selfish of me and it is but i'm just i'm just putting my cards on the line I don't know that that's the right phrase. I don't think it is. I'm just going to bring in my guest. Uh, this is someone who I have been following online for a long time. I remember watching a live stream when I still lived in New York and actually interacting a tiny bit. And I am someone who hosted this show used to be a live Ustream show many moons ago. So I did that all the time, but I never ever like responded to anyone or, or watched and chatted, but I did ask a question and she responded to me. And so I've been a fan ever since, because that's how it works. And now she lives here in L. Well, no, I think she wasn't. You know what? This is too long. Lindsay DeFranco. Hello. Huh? Welcome. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm very excited. I did yeah. not know we interacted before. We did. I was living in New York. You were doing some kind of live stream, something or other. And okay. you talked about, I think, having been on Balboa Island. Did you ever go to hmm. Balboa Island? Or I did not know Balboa Island was a thing. Is okay. It? Catalina? No, no, it was something in Orange County. Oh. I thought you were down on Lido. I don't remember. Have you spent any time down in Orange County? I sw- <laughs> no. no, I don't think so. I swear you were because I, I and, and you're talking about it's possible. What I if do I have family down there? <gasps> Maybe my aunt Dover Shores. To, my aunt used to live on a lake there. That back, I may the back have bay before. I don't know. Regardless, yeah, we here we are. <laughs> I know. Here we are. So anyway, yeah, I've been uh, I've been like following you online for a long time and truly thinking I should invite you on for Aww. a long time. And then recently I did it. And now yeah. here you are. And here we are. Here we we are. had to cancel once, but here we are. That's right. Yes. Uh, and we almost had to cancel a second time oh, because really? my nephew is in the process of being born right now. Yes. But then I thought, you know what? 
I can swing it. I, I don't want to be that person who has who reschedules like three times. You know what? I'm that person. Are for you real? Yes, I have Maybe another I play date or a play date for my son this weekend, and it will be the third time that we have had to reschedule. But I don't know the mom, so I think it's yeah. okay. Like we haven't even met yet. I mean, I think that everyone is that person. I think so too. Yeah. And everyone, it's okay. Yeah. I understand. Right. I just, I, I don't know. I feel like at a certain point, then if the guest can't do it and they have to reschedule, yeah. it's like, well, I brought this on myself. I guess Because we so. almost did it so many yeah. times. Anyway, though, there's lots of stuff, lots right. of stuff we need to get into. Let's do it. You have two sons. You're married to a famous YouTube personality, yeah. uh-huh. Phil DeFranco. Yep. You recently went from a life time or a long time of straight hair to wearing <laughs> you your know, hair naturally curly. That's the biggest life change that yes. I've had because I've always identified with my hair. Stick straight. My mom would wake up early all throughout middle school. She'd wake up at six so that she could straighten my hair for me. Really? I know. I don't. She must have really loved me because I would not do that for my kids, I don't think. When... Let's just start right there. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. No, let's start a little further back. Okay. You're from Georgia originally, I am from right? Georgia, born and raised in Georgia. I moved to LA against my parents' wishes when I was 20, I think. I met Phil, and we were on a road trip. Well, we met through YouTube. And mm-hmm. so he was living in Tampa. I was in Atlanta. He moved to Atlanta. And then we're like, let's go on a road trip. We'll go meet Phil's fans all around the country. And then we got to LA and we really liked it and we made friends. So we stayed. Mm-hmm. My parents were so mad as I, I didn't understand at the time why they were mad. Now as a parent, I was thinking I would be furious if my 20 year old daughter left to go make videos on the internet with some <laughs> random dude that she met on the internet. That right. doesn't now it's a little different. Back then, like I've been making YouTube content since 2006. So it, I lost all my friends when I started doing that. They thought mm. it was so weird. You it call was your, weird. You call yourself a recovering mommy vlogger. Recovering mommy I mean, a, vlogger. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because I... But first, you were vlogging before mommying. Yeah. Yes. I, so I made uh, baseball videos because I love the Braves, even though they keep breaking my heart. And then I made travel videos where I traveled around the world by myself for a while. And then I became a mom. So I did mom content because mm-hmm. I wanted to feel like I was contributing to the family while still being able to be with my kid all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it really just wore on me, the judgment and stuff that comes along with it. I mean, there's a lot of good things that come along with it, showing other moms that it's okay to have anxiety and to break down and all that stuff. But at the same time, there's a lot of judgment that I really just couldn't handle. Mm-hmm. Are you talking about YouTube comments? Yeah. And message boards. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know about these message boards that exist, but they're very toxic. Where would I find one? I'm not talking about <laughs> it. I haven't looked in two years. I'm a recovering person who doesn't look like awesome about themselves anymore. Was that hard to break it at the beginning? I've gone yeah. through different phases. I went through a long time of like, I, it, it just does nothing good for me. So I'm mm-hmm. not ever going to look at it. Yeah. Sometimes I look at it now and it, there's less of it now. And I'm like, Oh good. Yeah. I, <laughs> I think things, and especially on Instagram, I think yeah. is where I get the most good, not good feedback, but mm-hmm. good conversation. Right. It's um, a nicer place. I think Yes, yeah. nicer than Twitter. I've noticed that when, cause I don't make YouTube videos anymore. Like recovering mommy vlogger is exactly where I'm at. Um, cause I do miss it sometimes, but at the end of the day, I'm happy just showing little bits of my life. Um, just to keep up with people. What do you miss about it? Um, 
mainly the the good conversation and the good feedback from people that want uh, that are open to having a conversation like I would share the books that I like about parenting and and that was really nice to hear when other people would like them or mm-hmm. if there's a uh when I was doing sleep training I would get ideas from other parents and I, but see I can still do that on Instagram right. and still have that interaction where it's not as toxic right which is nice so grew up in Georgia do you have siblings I do I'm I have three stepbrothers on my dad's side mm-hmm. who have been in my life since I was about eight. So I call them my brothers because I don't have any blood relatives. And I was right. very excited to have <laughs> siblings. Um, but I was able to have the best of both worlds because I could stay at my dad's house and have siblings and then go to my mom's house and be by myself. Mm-hmm. So that was nice. Um, and then my mom actually remarried her, not remarried, but married her high school sweetheart oh, wow. when I was 21. And he has two sons. I'm not very close with them like I am with the boys on my dad's side, but... So technically five brothers, Mm -hmm. five stepbrothers. But when did your parents divorce? When I was seven. Was that hard? I don't think so. I was, they presented it to me in a very fun way. They were like, you're going to have two Christmases and two (laughs) birthday parties and two bedrooms and two dogs. And I was like, okay, we can do this. This is awesome. But I did see how my older brother, when stepbrother, when his parents got divorced, he was 13 and it was really hard on him. So I'm almost glad that my parents did it when I was younger and mm-hmm. didn't try to stick it out. I right. know some people think that it's better to try to stick it out. And I guess sometimes it is, but, um, I think it depends how well you can hide the conflict, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Like my, um, my stepbrother that's my age just got divorced and I was great friends with his wife, but I, everyone knew they were not meant to be together mm. and their daughter was three. And I, th- I said, if you're going to do it, do it now. Yeah. So she'll, she'll grow up not knowing anything different. And mm-hmm. I think, and they're both so happy now and co-parenting and it's great. So right. I think it just depends. What kind of kid were you? What kind of kid was I? Well, my dad told me something that really resonated with me and he was, this, we're very close and he's the same as me in that we're both very mediocre. And that's a blessing for us because Mm. we always had to figure out a different way to succeed. So my brothers were smart and athletic and they could always kind of ride on that. Whereas I was mediocre at school. If I had applied myself more, it would have been better. Uh, I wasn't interested. I wasn't athletic. So I always had to figure out how I was going to do something good in life. Um, And I ended up graduating a year early. Because That's not I something was just, just mediocre people well, do. Well, <laughs> it was it was, te- it was actually very easy to do. I um, did it online my senior year. I just really? did it online in a summer. I mean, I, I think people say that senior year is kind of a waste anyway sometimes. So I graduated early, had six months off, and that's actually when I discovered YouTube because mm-hmm. I actually wanted to go to school at Ole Miss with my high school boyfriend. But then once he left, I thought, I'm okay without mm-hmm. him. This is okay. But in high school, I, I don't, I wasn't a troublemaker. I just wanted to do stuff that I wasn't supposed to do. Like, like what? Like I wanted to go to parties, but my mom said, I have to talk to their parents first to make sure that they're home. <laughs> like I wasn't doing anything bad at these right. parties, but I would lie to my mom so that I could go to them. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. But my brothers were allowed to do a lot more than I was because right. they were boys. Right. So, right. So tell me about discovering YouTube. I discovered YouTube. So in that, the the fall semester when I had graduated, I was a nanny, but my job didn't start till 3 p.m. So I had all day to just kind of 
look around the internet. And I found YouTube one day and I just uploaded a video about baseball and it actually turned into, I don't think they had the word meme at the time, (laughs) but I was basically made fun of because in the first Mm -hmm. video I said, um, I was doing a recap of a Braves game and I said, um, the Braves scored 10 points instead of the Braves scored 10 runs. But I didn't catch it. I didn't even know how to edit at that time. So I was just like, let's post it. Yeah. And who, I, who did you make it with? Or did you say just by myself? Okay. I think that's something too. I think when sometimes when people meet YouTubers, they notice that they're a little bit more low key than normal. And I think that's because a lot of us are used to filming by ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're in our element when we're by ourselves and then right. you put a camera on us and we're like, Whoa, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Um, so I made that video and so, I, so sorry, it's I, okay, it, but it's so, it's so fascinating to me that you discovered YouTube and then made a video and decided to put it up. Like, yeah you well i mean i so like you just had your phone you're like i i can do that no at that time there were no camera there was no iphone this is right. 2006 okay i don't even know whose videos i watched that got me interested mm. but it was very low budget and it was i thought if these girls can do it i can do it too mm-hmm. so i i had nothing else to do so right. i just picked up a camera and made a braves video uploaded it made that runs and points mistake and I got a lot of messages from people saying, we love your baseball videos, make more. Well, it turns out about a year later, I found this message board where they were making fun of me uh, and they were trying to get me to make more content so that they could make fun of me more. Right. And at the time it really hurt my feelings. But now I think, wow, thank you for pushing me because otherwise yeah. I may not have <laughs> continued making them. So right. jokes on them. Right. Wow. Okay. So you continued doing that. Yeah. Um, and then how did you meet Phil? We met on a live streaming site, actually. It was called Stick'em. Do you remember that yeah. one? It was one uh-huh. of the first ones. And like you, I didn't really interact with anybody on it. I was mm-hmm. just like sitting there watching. And he was a YouTuber also. And we just started chatting. And when did we meet? We met at a YouTube meetup, one of the first ones in Washington, D.C. This really rich guy. And looking back on it, it's very sketchy. <laughs> he flew like eight of us to D.C. for a meetup. And Phil was there and we kind of hit it off. And mm-hmm. then he came to visit me once and I went to visit him and then he moved to Atlanta and we'd been together since we broke up like twice, but it was very small breakups. Mm-hmm. Did he move to Atlanta to be with you? Yeah. And I was in college at the time, not doing the work that I should be doing. And, uh, I ended up dropping out and moving in with him and I went to community college for a little bit, but looking back, I should have just been honest with my parents and said, this is not for me. I'm wasting your money. And at the time, I didn't know how lucky I was to have parents that were paying for school for me because that's what all my friends' parents did. I Mm -hmm. had no idea about student loans. I didn't know that existed. It just, and I feel so ignorant now thinking back to it. Um, But I wish I had been more honest with my parents despite knowing that they would have been upset. Mm -hmm. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. It is. But I can only hope that my kids will be right. more honest with me. Is not disappointing your parents important to you? Very. And I actually just recently sent my dad this really long letter talking about my feelings about some things. And in it, I talked about how I don't want to disappoint him. And I'm so grateful for the life that he gave me. But there are some things that I need to speak up about. 
and it actually turned out really well. He really? responded really well, and I was not expecting that. And then I, th- it, that gave me so much confidence. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you saw, but I tweeted about it, and I was like, 2020 is the year of advocating for myself. Because once that happened, I felt like a new person. This All this stuff that had been mm-hmm. like deep down right. like, bothering me. It's, it's gone. Now. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. That's so great that he had a good reaction. I know. What did you, from the time that you sent it to the time that you received the response, how did you feel? I was so nervous. I showed the letter to four of my friends first to make <laughs> sure that it wasn't too insane. And, but he responded really quick. He's, he said, thank you for being honest with me. I have a lot to work on. And I think we're closer now because of yeah. that. So oh, that's, that's nice. really great. Yeah. That's really great. Um, when you were a YouTuber, mm-hmm. were you um, were you well known at first? And then I was at, I was well known at first because I was one of the only people doing it. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of slowed down. And so when I actually started dating Phil, I was more well known than he was. But then he started taking off, and I was more than happy to just ride those coattails with him and let him do his thing. Mm-hmm. And I did that for a really long time, and so. I feel like now I'm kind of at the point where I'm because even when I was doing mommy vlogs and stuff, it was still this is Lindsay and Phil's kid. This mm-hmm. is blah, blah, blah. So now I've started my media literacy campaign where this is the first time I'm acting as my own person, mm-hmm. which is really nice. And Phil, that's not Phil. It's totally my fault. He's always been so supportive of whatever I want to do. So I'm just really happy now. I'm like, I'm 30. I'm ready to go. I'm feeling <laughs> confident. This Here's is the year to advocate for yourself. Yes. <laughs> um, I do want to talk about the Not So Fast campaign, yeah. which is the media literacy campaign. But since I teased the hair stuff earlier, oh, yes. let's get to that. Okay. So you have naturally curly hair. I do. When did you start straightening it? I started straightening it probably when I was 12 with the big thick hot tools flat irons mm-hmm. you know yeah yes yeah, so it was like it's two a and a half plate. inches yeah. yeah and just killing my hair i didn't know it was bad for my hair I, all i knew was everyone else had straight hair and that's mm-hmm. how i get straight hair but my hair was never curly like this i didn't know that i had this mm-hmm. these curls until after i had kids and then i saw them developing underneath I see. my mom has curly hair i just thought i had wavy nasty hair <laughs> well that's because i wasn't taking care of it right so your mom would get up at 6 to straighten your hair with the yeah. straightening iron uh-huh okay we'd watch good morning america <laughs> or yeah we'd watch the news good morning america and she'd straighten my hair were you like devastated if it would rain oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. i wouldn't go outside and it would ruin my day Nobody could tell that my hair looked any different except for me. <laughs> but yeah, and living in Atlanta too, it's so right. humid. So some days she'd straighten it knowing that by the time I got home, it would just be a mess. Yeah. In high, high school is when I started straightening my hair, but this was before straightening irons, I think, or before people were very aware of them. What did you use? A, a blow dryer and a paddle brush. Oh, okay. Um, and like pomade that was like really thick and greasy. Yeah. Was it like Garnier in the green cup uh no this was uh a veda pomade and there was one that was anti-humidity and then there was one that was called humectris so it like was a humectant and it drew moisture into it and Uh for some reason that's the one that i that the the hair cutting people the stylist for Mm -hmm. some reason stylist sounds like such a shishi word to me (laughs) it's weird i go out of my way to not use it um that the stylist recommended because they they thought it would like bring because my hair was dry or something, okay. but I feel like that was okay. that was the wrong call for yes, my naturally for sure. fuzz and frizz prone 
yeah. curly hair. Right. But anyway, yeah. So I would, and I would be like sweating by the end. It took so long. Yeah. It did not, like what you're saying about it didn't look any different to anyone. Like, yeah. It did not look like naturally straight hair. It looked like, okay. and I've described it this way before um, in, in, I have a book out uh-huh. and I talked about it. It looked like, imagine like a cotton ball dyed black and then stretched out until like a big okay. rectangle. Like yes. it just was a, fu- a big fuzz of hair. So it like a, a blowout, but not a good one. Right? <laughs> yes. Okay. Got it. Yes. yes I, my mom, I remember my mom doing that too. <laughs> yeah. So wait, did you have to do that every day? I didn't. Oh, I never got to the point of that story, by the way. <laughs> I just realized uh, what I was going to say about that, though, was then when it would rain, I was like, well, I don't know what to do now. Yeah. I'm devastated. Uh-huh. Uh, no, I didn't do it every day. I think I watched. I probably watched. I probably did this like once a week. Oh, it was okay. very gross by the end. Well, you know, you're not supposed to wash your hair that often. Know. And I only learned that six months. Well, no, like probably a year ago because yeah. I was washing my hair every day and straightening it every day. It would take so much time. Phil would joke that, well, we can't go out because you're going to take three hours to get ready. I'm like, I can't help it that my hair does this. I my can't help it. My friends would, if we were going to go out that night, they would call me at like four and joking. Uh-huh. They'd be like, okay, you better start getting ready. Yeah. You never did like a Brazilian or Japanese straightening though? Because I do Japanese straightening. Um, I was going to ask why your hair looks so good now. Oh, and I guess you. that's why. I had a Brazilian. Is that what it's called? A Brazilian, Brazilian is the keratin one that okay. ja- gradually washes out. Okay. Um, and there are some health concerns about it. Oh, really? And then, yeah, because I guess there's formaldehyde in oh, it. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, and then Japanese is essentially like a fancy reverse perm. Oh. It permanently straightens it. Okay. I did a Brazilian once and it, my mom lives in a very small town in Alabama and I don't know if the stylist knew how to use it. It wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> it good. good. It was not good. Well, it was yeah. just very greasy. Right. So, um, but yeah, once I had kids, I thought I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Let's see what the curls do. And so I looked up the curly girl method and I followed all these curly people online and started playing with it. And I did that a year ago. So January 1st, 2019 mm-hmm. is when I started letting it go. And, uh, do you have a lot more time? so much more time today I, it takes 15 minutes from start to finish for my hair but you recently switched from curly girl method to something else right well i still do the method but i don't use the products that they recommended okay. so the curly girl method is just not brushing your hair making sure that you don't um use products with silicones and sulfates in them so like natural products uh products that just wash out with water basically you mm-hmm. don't so that you don't have to wash it every day. Sometimes I'll just get it wet and then put more gel in and dry it or diffuse it for like five minutes. Um, so that's the method. Uh, but we were using Diva. We, a, a, <laughs> us curly girls, we're using Diva Curl products, which this hasn't been proven factually, which is what kind of scares me. But a lot of the girls that used uh, Diva Curl noticed that our hair was falling out, that it was going backwards like i had been working to curl it and it would not curl anymore Mm -hmm. despite taking really good care of it um and then this one woman came out and said that she's a stylist so the stylist who she goes by i think the curl ninja she made this video talking about how her clients who use diva curl have started to notice a lot of hair loss and the curls that they had weren't formed like they had been. Mm. And I had been noticing that too, but I thought it was just because, you know, when you don't brush your hair a lot, the day that you finally do brush it, a lot does come out or when you do wash it because all of those pieces just haven't come out. 
but I did notice. I was like looking in the mirror. And I said, my forehead seems like it's getting bigger. And mm. my whole family, we, we all have big foreheads, but I noticed <laughs> that I don't know what this part of your hair is called, but where you usually have postpartum hair loss right yeah. here, where your oh, baby right. hairs are. Like if you have a widow's peak, the, yeah. the peaks. <laughs> yeah. So right. those, I started losing hair there and it was really itchy. And in the back of my head, I noticed that I kind of have a bald spot mm. back there. Very bizarre, but I didn't want to blame it on a product that I really liked. I didn't right. even make that connection. Mm-hmm. But apparently a lot of people who have been using Diva Curl noticed the same thing. Um, so there might be something wrong with the packaging. They recently sold their company and it's being packaged different. I don't really know. I don't uh, want to speculate. More right. people are doing research into that. Main point, I don't use Diva Curl anymore. Mm-hmm. I use a product called Kinky Curly, which I love. So that's a good thing to switch to if anybody was using Diva Curl. So how often my last hair question. Yeah. I say, but I might be a big liar. I don't know. I don't know. How often do you wash your hair? Because what I remember from, or how often do you like get it wet and style Mm -hmm. it? Because what I remember from back when I wore my hair curly was that basically for my curls to look good, I had to do it every day. So I wash it every three days about, but I will spray it with water and kind of like fluff it up Mm -hmm. and just see where it goes sometimes but that's the thing about curly hair you know you get something different every time right um when i have a good curl day that's when i'm like you guys look it worked today (laughs) i did it good today but i think we're always just trying to figure out how to make it consistent Mm -hmm. and it will never be consistent so i don't know i don't have an answer for you (laughs) um did you always want kids yes I always wanted kids. I didn't know how many. I think sometimes I wanted three or four because that's what I experienced. But after my first one, I almost didn't have a second one because I thought, this is it. This is great. Things Mm -hmm. are going smoothly. And then I'm happy I had the second one. But I'm sure, as you know, the second one feels like you have 20 kids. It's just, (laughs) it's insane. What's the age difference between? Um, Three and and a half years. So Trey's almost six and Mm -hmm. Carter is two and a half. How do you find that? My sister and I are um, like three years, nine months apart, and I'm older. Uh how are as as the mom of kids yeah. with that age difference how are you finding it to be i am finally getting to be okay with it because they're playing with each other mm. it was really hard at first especially because trey he was three and a half so he was at an age when i first had carter that i couldn't really explain well to him what was happening but i also couldn't ignore it it wasn't like he was an 18 month old that didn't know what was going on right um so it was really hard on him at first and honestly having Carter was really difficult. Um, and I thought I had anxiety before and I think that was more just nervousness with a little bit of depression. But Mm -hmm. after Carter, I don't, when do you stop calling it postpartum anxiety? When is it just anxiety? Right. I, I imagine someone has determined the time frame, the statute of postpartumness, but I, but I don't know what it is. I mean, I've heard that it can crop up years later. Oh, okay. So it's just when you get anxiety after kids, even if they're 30. Okay. So, (laughs) um, yeah, but I, before I had some depression, I've always been a very sensitive person, like Mm -hmm. almost way too in tune with whatever's going on around me and too affected by it. Um, but now it's just out of control. It's something I can't control and my doctor keeps trying to push all these medicines on me and i've tried them all i'm at the i'm at the point where i don't want any more medicine Mm -hmm. i'm so you're not on anything i am i'm on um i'm on a couple things but i'm looking at other treatments like i I don't know if you watch gary gullman's um, i haven't i've seen part of it it's so good i just haven't had a chance to watch the whole thing i've heard it's 
I, I, I'm a fool for missing it. It's, the Great Depression, oh, right? Yes. And I just, I cried because I, I thought, oh my gosh, somebody, I can relate to this person. There's one part where he talks about how hard it is to just do everyday things like take the laundry. This is with depression, not so much with anxiety. I have both of them, but um, taking the laundry out mm-hmm. or um, replacing the toilet paper roll. It's just, I'm just, I'll put the new toilet paper on top. It's just things yeah. that you think would be so easy just when you have some mental illnesses, which I took a long time to call anxiety and depression mental illness because there's such a stigma related to right. them. But that's what they are. Um, I forget where I was going with that. But <laughs> you were talking about wanting to explore different oh, options. Different options of like, um, what is it? What did he do? I think he did. He did something. There's TMS and then there's, he did something with electroshock on your brain. ECT? possible yes mm-hmm. um so he did that but that really scares me because there are some bad side effects but mm-hmm. i know it works great for some people yeah but right now i'm looking into ketamine there's a ketamine clinic in la um and people have had really good um neil brennan that. loved that oh really mm-hmm. okay so i'll look that up because i haven't heard him talk about it but um i believe he talked about it on either his special three mics or on my podcast. <laughs> okay. So I'll go it's back. one of the other. I'll go back and listen to both. I remember yeah. watching Three Mics, but I feel like it was a while ago. And right. it didn't resonate with me yeah. probably because I wasn't looking into that at the mm-hmm. time. Um, I know someone else who had good success with that yeah? too. Okay. Have you ever recreationally done ketamine? No. No, haven't. nor have I. <laughs> no, I, I smoke weed and that's the extent of it. Although I did get recently a lot of people have been telling me about microdosing mushrooms yeah so i did get some of them but i don't know what to do with them like i bought the the grinder for them and the pill and i just i'm too scared to do Mm -hmm. it i need to like take a weekend i know it's supposed to not the microdosing is supposed to not affect you you're not even supposed to know it's in your system but i want to make sure that that happens and that i don't take too much so there's some books whenever i get on a kick with something i'll order 10 books on it and i'll Mm -hmm. read so much into it i just haven't had time to do that yet have you ever done mushrooms as a macro dose? Yeah, uh, one time <laughs> How in was college, it? I was, I know that a lot of people say that you have to be in the right environment mm-hmm. and with the right people. And I totally agree with that. Although I've only done it one time, it was not in the right environment. It was with this guy that I really liked and he did not like me. And I just got very emotional, but we were watching, do you know that movie Apocalypto? It, I think it was by Mel Gibson and it was in the Amazon rainforest and there was some kind of tribe. And so I just remember thinking that there was um, a tribe living on my tongue and <laughs> I don't know, and the, they had shag carpet and I thought it was worms. Oh, and geez. These ass, am I allowed to cuss? Yeah, yeah. These assholes kept, they had these like Ikea lamps and they kept switching the lights different colors oh, to freak God. me out and i was like you guys suck this sucks i want to go home but i couldn't go home i couldn't yeah. drive myself home so i just went to sleep but i feel like doing it now with my husband or something would mm-hmm. be very fun mm-hmm. so maybe i'll just do that with the mushrooms i've never done it but i know a lot of people who who are all about it and say that it can be such a yeah like healing uh uh enriching experience yeah. well yeah and i so i do wonder if you will have the same lasting effects of doing like a macro dose once every, every once in a while it's do it with micro dosing. I don't right. know. Again, I got to read those 10 books. Yeah. I, I also think for me though, with micro dosing, I'm so suggestible. I feel like I would be convinced I could feel it. I yes. feel even, I don't know. I've done that before too. I was, I've been convinced I have appendicitis, even though <laughs> I have no symptoms. Right. Our brains are crazy. Yeah. They're really crazy. So when, when is the first time you realized you had depression? 
I don't think I knew it until I went to a psychiatrist. My mom took me to a psychiatrist when I was 14. I think it was in ninth grade. I got caught shoplifting. Mm. So I guess that goes back to your first question of what kind of kid was I? Right. Well, uh, I stole this. Young teenage girl shoplifting is a, is a whole thing, I think. I think so, too. Um, I stole a really ugly skirt that I didn't like, but I thought I liked it from Macy's and I got caught. And so she took me to a psychiatrist and he diagnosed me with ADD, which I was like, thank you. This, this medicine is helping me so much. My grades got really good. (laughs) Um, but also he put me on Lexapro as a preventative. Mm -hmm. Um, and it really helped my mood and it, it just, I didn't know I had depression. I don't think he knew I had depression, but it really helped. That's and then, yeah. So it helped like you felt lighter. Yeah. I just, I, my head was clearer. And um, so what he thought was a preventative dose actually was very beneficial mm-hmm. for me. Um, and there have been times since I was, I'm so the past 16 years that I've tried to go off of it and it's not a good time. I mean, the I think you've talked about this too, trying to come off of yeah. different medications. It was really hard. Mm-hmm. But once you get once I got over that withdrawal, I thought it'll be okay. It won't be a problem, but it was a problem. So that's how I kind of knew that this is a real thing, a real problem. I um so since going on, I have never fully gotten off and I was never on okay. anything until I had postpartum depression after mm-hmm. I realized it about five months after I had Elliot, my okay. first. Um, and I probably would have benefited from something mm-hmm. years before because I've been in therapy for so long okay. and I just, and I really believe in talk therapy, but mm-hmm. I just always felt like it's everything is situational. Right. I'm like a happy person who's been in a bad mood for 30 years, you know, <laughs> just um, not like stopping to think, well, at a certain point, it doesn't really matter whether it's situational or not. Mm-hmm. It's more like, do you want to feel that bad all the time? You right. know, but I just, I think I was, a f- I was skeptical or dubious or afraid of going on something. Um, even though people around me had, had really responded well right. to them. But anyway, finally about five months after Elliot, uh, uh, was born, I realized, okay, I'm, I, there's something wrong. Like mm-hmm. I need to, I need to talk to someone and I, it's more than just baby blues. Right. I feel just so, like I'm having intrusive thoughts, although I didn't know that was yeah. the term for them at the time. <laughs> and I just feel like I'm, I feel bereft. Like I feel like I'm in mourning. Like yeah. I am just, I feel like the world is a cruel, scary, awful place. And I am on this little, iceberg floating around with Elliot and we're safe right now, but we won't be for very long. And like, that's right. not, I don't think I need to feel like this all the time. So anyway, when on Lexapro, it helped immensely. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, and I feel like this is kind of textbook antidepressant. I'm like, I don't think I need this anymore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that I worked you're, through that. You're cured. Yeah. I feel good now. Yeah. So I don't need this thing. And I knew I wanted to get pregnant with my second. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, even though everyone around me was like, you don't need, you know, you don't need to get off of it. You don't need to yeah. get off of it. You're certainly not going to get off of it. Right. And I was mm-hmm. like, I don't, like this reaction doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> like, why is everyone so adamant that I I'm thought, not? <laughs> yeah. We're not supposed to be on anything, right? Not even Tylenol. Right. No, but my fertility doctor, my um, OB and who was the third? I guess my therapist, yeah. they're all like, you don't have to get off of it. Like mm-hmm. you shouldn't, you shouldn't. Uh, but, but 
whatever. Uh, I so I tapered down, and when I got to two point five, uh-huh. that's when I started feeling depressed and anxious. Oh, interesting. I, yeah, I was fine up till that point. What were you on before? Ten. Okay, I think I was going down from yeah. ten, uh, and I thought and this is where i think it's so it's confusing and insidious i was like is this my true nature coming back uh-huh. or is this a reaction is this withdrawal mm-hmm. i don't know but Were you i pregnant no not okay. yet okay i was like i don't know but i um i don't want to find out so right. i just like went i went to five and i okay. stayed at five throughout my pregnancy mm-hmm. um and then near the end i think i went to 7.5 and then i went back to 10 okay uh and then i was was there and and I felt good for a long time. And then I started feeling like it wasn't really working. And mm-hmm. so I switched to Zoloft and I, I was on Zoloft. And I think that's when I posted some of those stories. Okay, yeah. About the feeling of like, I feel speedy, I feel edgy, I feel, oh. Yeah. Um, but then I was on Zoloft for three weeks and I was like, this is not cutting it. I mean, I felt the that's same not way right. Not, oh, really? Yeah. Uh, so I... <laughs> I do not condone. I shouldn't even say this, this is ir- irresponsible. Did you just stop taking it? No, my psychiatrist. <laughs> <you> <laughs> uh, I found some ketamine. My psychiatrist is on vacation. Okay. Uh, I couldn't reach him. Mm-hmm. So I just put myself back on Lexapro. I just reversed the, what he told me okay. about how to, how to switch to Zoloft. Uh-huh. I just reworked my, I backed my way okay. onto Lexapro and I've been on it ever since and it's been fine. Again, I have to say that is, I do not recommend yeah, anyone. Not you should not you do should that. Do. You should not be doing uh, it on your own. You should your not, you should not, you should not. But anyway, yeah. What was your experience on Zoloft? Uh, I don't think it did anything for okay. me. Interesting. And I was one, cause all of my friends around me, Zoloft is the best. It's great. It's awesome. And my therapist, so not yeah. my psychiatrist, but my therapist is like, she thought I would be, she thought Zoloft would be such a good match for mm-hmm. me. She is just thinks it's such a good drug. Yeah. It, w- it was, didn't, uh, for me, I found that I was, I just felt very edgy mm-hmm. on it and kind of speedy, but not in the, not in the like, I have no appetite way, okay. but just everything's moving a little bit too fast. Yeah. I'm impatient. Um, I can't be in the moment. I can't connect. Yeah. I don't feel happy. So it I, made, did it make you almost have anxiety? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. A little bit. That's not fun. Mm-mm. No, it shouldn't be doing that. But it wasn't panicky. It didn't make okay. me panicky. But yeah, that level of agitation is sort of how I feel sometimes when I'm anxious. Yeah. So it, what you're describing to me sounds like how I feel when I've had too much ADD medication. Mm-hmm. Kind of like that. Right. But after I had kids, I feel like and my body chemistry changed. So you said you went on Zoloft after your second or before? After my first. After your first. Yeah, okay. in between them. Okay. See, mm-hmm. I feel like after my second, something changed in my body chemistry and I had to try something new. Thankfully, I went back on Lexapro after trying. I tried um, Zoloft and Trintilix. Uh-huh. And I guess Trintilix is supposed to be the cleanest one with the least amount of side effects, but it made me so nauseous every night. I would have to take it smoke a little bit of weed and go to sleep because if I didn't, I'd throw up. Uh-huh. Like the weed helped me get to a point where I wasn't going to throw up and then go like it was, it's just too much. And then the whole time you were on it, you felt nauseated? Cause no, I, just when I take it. So you're really supposed to take it in the morning, but I couldn't take it in the morning mm-hmm. because I would be nauseous all day. Right. right. But I mean, you didn't like at a certain point adjust so that something no. went away. Mm-mm. And that's what, that's what my doctor kept telling me. He said, it's fine. Just keep going with it. So 
Here we are back on Lexpro. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's such a, a an LA. Is that an LA conversation to have? I think more and more it's becoming common everywhere. Okay, good. At least among podcast listeners. Because <laughs> I've never. I, I mean, I think that prop. No, I think I've seen people on Twitter say shit like, um, "Just just move your body more. Just exercise more." Ah, uh, like, yes, yes. <laughs> the Jake Paul thing that just happened. Right. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't understand it. And growing up, I was never made to feel bad about having it. And I think that's why I was so open to talking about it in mommy vlogs Mm -hmm. because I didn't know there was a stigma. I was never like my dad didn't really believe in it, but he could tell there was a difference in me. My mom was always so supportive. So I didn't know that talking to someone about your depression could make you look weird or make people look at you in a different way until I talked about it on YouTube and they were like, oh my gosh, what do you have to be upset about? I'm like, well, nothing. That's the problem. I (laughs) wish there was a reason that I was upset, but there's not. Right. Right. Yeah. I talked about this is like makes me such sound like such an asshole. Uh, And I even started to feel like an asshole, but we went to Hawaii and I was depressed in Hawaii and I was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Right. Didn't you go with both kids? Yes. Okay. See, (laughs) (laughs) but I just felt like, what's wrong with me that mm-hmm. I'm on vacation? I'm in a beautiful place. Yeah. There's nothing wrong. So why don't I feel happy? Even right. though I know well enough that that's not how depression works. Right. Um, but I still be, I began to gang up on myself feeling oh. like you're, you're just an asshole that you can't. And I should say though, I had, I did ultimately have a lovely time. We stayed at the Grand Hyatt Kauai. I love them. Okay. I recommend them <laughs> if you're going with a family. Um, and I'm still, I'm glad we went. I just didn't feel uh, free of all my mental shit the way I had the time that we had gone before. Okay. I don't know the last time I felt free of my mental shit. And I'm always searching for that moment. I've recently started watching these, this wonderful couple named Eamon and Beck on YouTube and they travel around the world in their van. And I, I, so then I started looking at vans because for some reason in my head, that's how you're happy. (laughs) That's the, that's the magical (laughs) thing. Phil makes fun of me because I'll always, I'll see somebody else. I saw someone with a beautiful half sleeve tattoo and I thought I need a half sleeve tattoo. (laughs) I'll just get on these kicks. Right. I did tarot for a little bit and then I lost interest in that. So you're searching for that thing. Yeah. But now we're moving into a house that I'm pretty sure is haunted. So I think that I need to do tarot again or have someone come over and like cleanse it or something. It's a very old house and who knows what's going to happen in there. <laughs> does does Phil suffer from depression or anxiety at all? I think so. But but I also think that comes along with being a public figure. Yeah. And not just a public figure, but a public figure that reads comments about themselves every day and whose personal life seeps into every moment Mm -hmm. of every day don't do you feel that way too like everyone's commenting on what you do all the time yeah you're almost too self you're too self-aware almost sometimes yes yeah not you i mean in general right that's how and and so when i hear another youtuber coming out talking about depression i'm like well yeah of course (laughs) your livelihood is based off of the opinions of other people right and i and for some reason, we still do it. Mm-hmm. We still keep going because those little hits of dopamine when something I goes know. well, it's addicting. And I do notice that if I don't look at Twitter for a whole day, my mood is better. Mm-hmm. It is much better. I, I cannot break the addiction. I, I need to. I quit for seven days. I was so proud of myself. and I was so happy. But then I felt like I didn't know what was going on in the world. Mm-hmm. So I do think like I, I wonder if a half measure... 
And by the way, in 12-step programs, they I think the phrase is half measures, okay. like get you nowhere or avail you nothing or something. But I wonder if a half measure is just reading Twitter and not tweeting. Because mm. once I tweet something, then it it further, in, like I'm invested and then I'm engaged. Yes. And then then that's usually like the first domino goes over when I tweet something. and Because you have to go back and look at comments, yeah. right? And I'm not, not talking about tweeting about my show or even right. tweeting like something, you know, silly about my kid. I'm talking about a political tweet or something like that yeah. where you're kind of just chumming the waters. And then even though I know and I feel like righteous and I believe in what I'm saying mm-hmm. when I write it, it's just then I'm going to read a bunch of shitty comments and yeah. it was predictable, but one will get to me and then I'll say something back and then uh-huh. and then... then yeah. All of a sudden my whole life around me recedes uh-huh. and I'm just in like Twitter world. You're fighting with somebody yes. who doesn't matter, who might not even be a real person. Yes. And yeah, I totally get it. Last night and uh, for the past couple of days, I would tweet my political opinions and then just hit the mute button. And that was really nice <laughs> because yeah. I wouldn't see because I, I know that when I say something, I believe it. Mm hmm. But then when I get the feedback on it, I do. It makes me kind of question myself right. when I shouldn't. Like, stick with what you feel. That's okay. I always think, like, what would Oprah do? Not that she's my guiding star or anything, but I just can't imagine that she... she, I don't think she engages with trolls. But you know what? She she is vulnerable, too, though. I So a couple years ago, I... I'm fascinated by stan culture and people who are just so obsessed with pop culture idols. And I started to poke the bear a little bit with Beyonce a couple years ago, not with her, but with her fans. Uh-huh. I think oh, with that great. beehive? With, yes. <laughs> and so she had this performance where she, when she was pregnant with twins, I, maybe it was at the Grammys, I don't remember. But I kind of made fun of her for it just to see what the reaction of her fans would be. Mm-hmm. And looking back, I think I really shouldn't have done that because even though I think that she's so famous and not looking at Twitter, she might be. Right. And there's no reason for me to say like, oh, she just sat there and did nothing. Because part of the performance was her just sitting on a chair and like singing and it looked beautiful, but she wasn't doing her Beyonce dance thing. Mm-hmm. And so I just made a comment and I do regret it because what if she did see it and right. what if that did affect her? Because... I, I'm sure when people say things to us, they don't think that it's going to bother us, but it does. Right. D- did you watch the Taylor Swift documentary? No, not yet. So she touches on that a lot. And I'm. it's just inescapable at a certain mm-hmm. point where you're just going to see bad stuff about yourself. Right. So, so what was the reaction of the behind? Oh, they were really upset with me. And they... And it was okay that they're upset with me until they started calling me a racist. And then yeah. I was like, okay, this has gone too far. This was supposed to be fun. And now it's turning into something that's like miss is not my, in my character at mm-hmm. all. Um, so you tweeted. Oh my God. Now I'm questioning whether it was, no, it Yeah. You tweeted that cancel culture is yes. going to get is what tell me your tweet and your thoughts behind uh, it. Well, so I saw that Jake Paul was trending and he is a problematic feature in the online world, but he made a comment about anxiety and it really came off as, as though he was saying you can control your anxiety. Mm-hmm. Just go for a walk, take a breath, chill out. And he started trending for that and people were getting so mad at him and jumping on him. And Jake Paul does a lot of messed up stuff. Let's attack him for something else. He's a young kid. And I think a lot of people don't think he's young because he is 23, Mm -hmm. but as an, like an adult, 23 is young. It's pretty young. Yeah. And I didn't even, I I didn't know anxiety affected people differently till six months ago. Like Mm -hmm. it's just, so I really think he was trying to be helpful and just let people know like, 
take a breather. It's fine. He didn't right. say he didn't say I'm a doctor. He didn't say go don't go see a doctor. You don't mm-hmm. need medicine. He was just trying to be helpful. And I just see a lot of cancel culture happen with, you know, there was with Kevin Hart and the Oscars or um uh I, you know, there's every so day. many every, every day. day. Yeah. It's just people get so mad and it ruins people's lives and and at a point people do well, uh, uh, with James Charles, the whole James Charles situation with Tati, like he was so bullied and I was very worried that he might do something dramatic because mm-hmm. of all the hate he was getting. I also saw my friend. This is actually how I found out about you was my friend Shay Carl went on Adam Carolla. Okay. And I listened to that episode and then I got into the Allison Rosen fan club. But um, oh, thank you. <laughs> he, he had a, a scandal and he got to a really dark place. And I just think that having people chime in and try to end your li- not end your life, but end, end your career. livelihood. Yeah. Based off of a mistake that you made, it's not fair and it's not nice. And I do think that we're going to see more people taking dramatic actions. Mm-hmm. And I, I just wish there was a way we could prevent that. But I don't know that there is, except to raise awareness that, right. that these these are humans. Um, I know Caroline. Do you watch Love Island? Uh, no, but I know the story you're talking okay, about. Okay, so yeah, Caroline mm. Flack, who the host, yeah, she ended up um, taking her own life. That I think on Valentine's Day this year, um, because of media bullying and cancel culture and stuff like that, which is really sad. And there was actually a porn star. I don't know the actual story of the porn star that ended up taking her life because of cancel cancel culture, but it just keeps creeping up. And Mm -hmm. I don't think people understand that their words matter, that they are like me thinking about Beyonce. She's not going to see it. It doesn't matter. I'm just screaming into the void when that's not true. And then also, the one attitude I dislike is like then when you call someone on and they're like, I'm just like one person on Twitter. Why do I matter? You do matter. Like yeah. if you're going to yell at me, I can. And that this is a conversation too. When if someone says something so rude to me, I think I have the right to call them out. Mm-hmm. There are a, uh, some people who on the other side think that we shouldn't say anything about it. Yeah. it. You should ignore it because we have more power than that. But I I feel like that's just being a punching bag for mm-hmm. for someone. I don't know. I'm not going to like dox them and say, hey, this is where they work. Go call their <laughs> boss, you know, which some people have done. Um, but that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to highlight this is not how you treat people. And there have been times where I have not recently, but maybe in the past decade that I have been a not nice person on Twitter. I mean, we all learn and we make mistakes. And so I know that one day some of my old tweets will probably get brought up, but I'll I'll own them and I'll say, yeah, I made a mistake. I'm really sorry. Let's move on. This is what I learned from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes, and I think other people have made this point, like, what are we doing on Twitter? The stakes are so high. (laughs) Like, is it really worth it for this dumb joke? I know. I know. But we just keep going back. Yeah. We just, it is what it is. It sucks us in. Does Phil ever try not to read his comments? He, uh, or does yes. he feel like he has to? Okay. No, he, he does now. He does not read his comments now because he doesn't want the vitriol of people, especially when talking about politics. He doesn't want it to sway his opinion. Mm-hmm. Kind of like what we were saying. It's like, I believe this. I'm going to say it regardless of what you think. Right. Right. So. Yeah. I know that the times where I have decided I'm not going to look at it at all, mm-hmm. it's because not only does it affect my mood, but the feel, but the, I have this feeling that it doesn't do anything that helps my show. 
Um, okay. I don't because I, but I never want to cut myself off from feedback entirely because, mm-hmm. of course, like I value the, you know, I do value the opinions of my listeners, but at the same time, I don't want the voices of my haters in my head making me minimize or shrink or not mm-hmm. do something on the show that I like because right. it's uncool or yeah. you know like I want to be make I want the show to be pure and mm-hmm. my vision for what it should be I don't want to be trying to please someone who hates me right exactly because it, it's a lose-lose that right. person probably doesn't really hate you they just like to, the act yeah. of hating you right you're not going to change any minds right um you know what will change your mind oh. about uh, spring break and summer vacations oh, with that? your kids? It's something called undercover tourists. Planning a vacation oh. is hard work and overwhelming. I want you to know how to save money and save time. Uh, and I have a way for you to do that. It's called undercover tourist. You need to know more about them if you're planning a theme park vacation because they could save you significant time and money. You get the exact same tickets to theme parks you know and love for less. No catch. Save up to $145 on each theme park ticket, which is significant savings because they're real expensive now. They're really expensive. Uh, So think of the savings for a family of four or even six. Um, An authorized seller of theme park tickets. 20 years of quality service providing theme park and attraction tickets at discounted prices. A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. Over 1 million app downloads of their Orlando Wait Times app. Uh, I recently went to their website and checked them out because we were going to Disneyland. And they have these great guides for how to save time. So you can, like, by going here and here and here and just tips. And and also, uh, they have a calendar of, like, which days are the most crowded and Ooh, yeah, see, just that's good. all sorts of great yeah. all sorts of great resources yeah so free park plans what to do and when saving you four hours a day of not standing in line and <laughs> zigzagging across the park which is priceless undercover tourist is the trusted name for theme park tickets start planning your next theme park vacation now by visiting undercovertourist.com slash allison that's an additional discount using allison on top of the big savings already offered through undercover tourist again undercovertourist.com slash allison undercovertourist.com slash Allison. So Lindsay, let's talk about the not so fast campaign. Yes. What is this? So it is a campaign that I came up with, with a friend and we were just getting really frustrated again, back to Twitter, (laughs) seeing how, okay, I am very, I, I, observe how people are feeling and fighting on Twitter. I've really gotten into politics and news in the past few years, and I could not understand why people were fighting so much if we're all operating from the same facts, Mm. the same base of information. So I started looking into it more, and I realized, oh, duh, we're not. We're not operating from the same basis of information, Mm -hmm. and that's why we're fighting. We're all picking our own facts, picking our own news sources. You can... If you believed that tennis balls caused cancer, you could find a blog that would say that and you would be convinced, like, I found evidence for this. So we have all this information, but we don't know what to do with it or how to verify it. And Mm -hmm. we have these biases. And bias is like this big boogeyman, scary word that it's everyone has biases. It's just how it is. We just need to learn how to work around them. Mm -hmm. So... I wanted to start a campaign that aims to teach middle and high school students how to think critically about the news and media that they consume on a daily basis. I mean, this is where kids are are living. However, it's not only 
students that need the help. It is also adults. So I'm hoping that by teaching kids these certain things that they will go home and try to have conversations with their parents about it. So we uh, we made a website that talks about um, have, how to have civil discussions about important topics with your friends and family or strangers. Um, the First Amendment, which a, a lot of people... It, it gets really fuzzy when you're talking about freedom of speech online because if you're banned from Twitter, some people say, well, you're taking away my freedom mm-hmm. of speech, but it's not that that private companies don't have to follow freedom of speech laws. Um, what else do we talk about? Media literacy, which is, like mm-hmm. I said, having an awareness of certain things and interacting responsibly with news. D- different types of biases. Bias. Yeah. So different types of bias, um, like confirmation bias, which is the big one that we see where it's like, if you see a news article with a headline that you agree with, at least for me, I would sometimes retweet it right away without even yes, reading the article. I've done that. And it's like, like, I'm sure this says what I think it says. Yeah. And then you <laughs> click on it and you realize, oh, this doesn't right. say anything. So and we, we encourage people to read past the headlines, to look at sources, how to analyze websites, um, biases, and journalism. So it's like, this is what it means when there's a sponsored post. Mm-hmm. This is what it means when something is an editorial versus an opinion post. And I think it's so funny when somebody quote tweets an opinion post and they say, this is so biased. Well, that's what an opinion is. Yeah. It's meant to persuade. So just kind of pulling the curtain back on media and, and awareness is our biggest thing. Just be aware of these things. We're not. And another big thing is we're not teaching people or trying to tell people what to think. We're trying to teach them to think mm-hmm. and how to mm-hmm. think and how to just interact more responsibly with news because we're in this landscape where it's so insane and vitriolic and it keeps people from having important conversations so do you feel like you received media literacy education i didn't at all i remember learning how to uh not use wikipedia wikipedia was like the boogeyman don't Uh, use it in school you mean like yeah don't use it as a a source yeah Mm -hmm. it's like you couldn't use wikipedia i learned how to do research papers with books which is good Um, but no, I didn't No, And and I think that does come, it's a generational thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was no Twitter or internet, but we did an outreach program where we, uh, reached out to 13 to 25 year olds that wanted to participate and we got 600 responses and people just wrote about their frustrations with the media landscape. And we ended up talking to 70 of them. And a lot of them are just frustrated that they're not taught these things mm-hmm. in schools. And we also ended up talking to teachers and teachers don't feel like they have the agency to be able to talk about those things because it's not in the curriculum because it's not in the curriculum. And I mean, if you or look, it could be seen as political. Yes. Because if you look at, if you're trying to teach about checks and balances in this environment, right. it's going to turn into a conversation that's a partisan conversation almost. Mm, right. right. Any, well, it's fake news. Right. Any civics lesson that you try to do, I, I think, and this is what I've heard from teachers, it's going to get derailed really quick. Right. So how do you tackle that? I don't know. I'm not a teacher, but I would love to help teachers figure it out. And there are some, there is some legislation being passed to teach media literacy in certain mm. states, which is awesome, uh, but it's not fast enough. And I think that's a problem. So right now it's the, it's the website and mm. it's, raising awareness yes um and i know you can there's a tab to like book an event or an outreach yes. or what is so it? what we want to do is eventually host uh roundtable discussions at school so people can bring us to school and at first we wanted to do um like t- 
what is it called? Like presentations in an auditorium, mm-hmm. like an assembly. We wanted yeah. to do assemblies. But the more we looked into doing that, we realized that studies show that they don't really have that much of an impact. Mm. So we would love to have a discussion as opposed to a presentation. So we can hit our main talking points, but then just talk with these kids and see what they're interested in and show them how to find the truth about XYZ or whatever questions they have. We just want to have a conversation. We Mm -hmm. don't want to tell you what to do, but we'll tell you how you can accomplish what you want to accomplish. Right. So, but we're moving slowly towards that. So, but we also like on our social media, we just post random things just to be a reminder throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Hey, think before you retweet or check your facts before you react. And we've had a good response, but it has been weird because media literacy is very focused in academia Mm -hmm. and we are not academics. So making that jump has been very weird and we haven't been quite welcomed with open arms. Um, By who? Just by some, like we've gone to conferences and Mm -hmm. stuff and there have been people who have welcomed us, but also at the same time we, Coming from a social media, ba- I mean, my my business partner Bailey, she's a teacher. So, but being partnered up with me, I think I'm almost seen as the problem because oh. I do have a background in social media. But right. I am trying to learn how to bridge the two. Yeah. Um. So, social media is a toxic environment, but academia can be as well. Um. But <laughs> right. we're trying. That's right. all. I, I, but I feel like your background doing. gives you a unique vantage point to speak I, from I and agree. experience to speak from. I agree, and I think that. That's the hurdle that I'm slowly but surely getting over mm-hmm. when talking to academics because um, they're just very based in, you know, this is what the studies say. And I'm like, well, the study might say this, but they haven't, the people who did the study haven't really experienced what I have. So let's come together and work together and see how we can bridge the gap. Right. Because um, they know how to teach. They know teaching theories. I don't know any of that. I don't know what kids will react well to. Um, I actually went to talk. I, I call it a spy mission. It wasn't really a spy <laughs> mission, but I found out about this other campaign, not campaign, but um, I guess another campaign that was kind of doing the same thing as us. And I asked if I could attend their event in New York. Um, and I didn't tell them exactly why I was going. They didn't know that I had my own thing going mm. on, but they welcomed me and let me kind of sit in on their presentations. And I learned a lot from that. And they said that in one of their school presentations, they brought up, they used um, CNN as a, a CNN article as a source. Well, this was in Texas and they lost the audience very quickly because they said, well, why are you saying that CNN that this story from CNN is true. Have you looked at what Fox News says about it? And these were like eighth graders. And so from that point on, they didn't use any political examples. And so we're at a weird place where we can't deny that media literacy is political. Mm -hmm. That is what we're dealing with right now. So we're trying to figure out how to not be partisan so that we don't turn off a part of the audience that might need our message. But at the same time, how much can we ignore so that's also why on my personal socials, I'm a lot more political than on my business ones. Right. And I, in an ideal world, I'd just shut up on, <laughs> on my personal ones, but I don't want to have to do that. Wait, why in an what Say more about why you think that would be ideal. Because I have gotten a lot of feedback from people saying, well, how can I trust what you say about media literacy when you're a liberal and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, first of all, I am a registered libertarian. So there's that. Um, But I will be voting Democratic this year. But um, I just, people are so fast to turn off 
to any message that you have if they think that you have an agenda you have an agenda and so what i do is i point them to our website and we have been so we have worked so hard to not make it partisan Mm -hmm. um but sometimes we can't deny that there's an extreme that that is living in a fantasy and is playing loose with facts and then i think that happens on both sides of extremes when a lot of us just want normalcy and Mm -hmm. we just want the truth and we just i am longing for stability right now i don't want to have to look at the news every day or feel like i need to fact check all the time right right so i'm like i'm tired (laughs) i miss when i didn't care about it so you think that ideally for your message to be received by the most people you would just shut up on your personal page i think that's what if i had a pr person that's what they would tell me to do but that's not how i operate Mm -hmm. i think that i should be able to support who i want to support and say why i support them without turning people off to my message but i don't think that's the world that we're living in right now i struggle with when i say political things wondering is like just lately i have been feeling like well i believe this strongly and if i can use my influence in any way Mm -hmm. i should so i think it's my responsibility to turn a bunch of people off not really you know it's my responsibility to say that i think this is important that's sort of a new feeling i've had that's a good feeling yeah yeah but i i don't know if i gain more by saying it or if i well, I was going to say, or if I lose more by, <clears throat> excuse me, by turning people off. But if I'm losing people, it's people who are not going to be open to anything I have to say anyway. Exactly. And that's a good point. And I, that is something that I thought a long time ago and then I forgot because I got so wrapped up into it. But it's true. I it's, have realizations and forget them all the time. Yeah. Okay, good. It's not just <laughs> We me. might have figured everything out at some point. Yeah. We just keep forgetting it. We should write it down and <laughs> one really day put should. it all together yes. and realize we don't need these antidepressants. No. <laughs> we know what we're doing. Um, yeah. It's, it's weighing the pros and cons. And I feel like the pros far outweigh the cons because most people that are interacting with your content, well, aren't interacting. Most people that read your right, yeah, and it's that's how I feel about Yelp reviews too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a place has so many negative ones. Well, that's because only people who have bad experiences rate these places. So I think it's kind of the same thing, Mm -hmm. and we have to really put it in perspective because what you say about a certain candidate might really resonate with someone and might sway them. Right. So yeah. Uh, we'll see about that. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> well, we'll see. Uh, do you limit, how do you handle screen time with your kids? Um, I don't, I'm very bad at it. Oh, that makes me feel better. Okay. Yeah. I, there was a time where I would let Trey watch the iPad all the time and I did cut back on that. Mm. But I feel like, especially when you work from home too, it's, you just need a Brit. You've been at home all day. You have stuff to do. Um, I have cut back on it. The kids cannot have their iPad during the week, but they have a TV in their playroom. Mm-hmm. And Trey likes playing video games, and he doesn't play any of the crazy games, but I do honestly feel like playing Mario and stuff helps with problem solving. Mm-hmm. So I do kind of feel like he's learning. Right. Or like Minecraft, he's exercising his brain. Um, what, what do you do? I have gone back and forth. Um, in general, Daniel is more... Well, right, just, just just to let you know where we're at right now, uh-huh. Elliot is obsessed with Peppa Pig. Oh. Uh, he wants to watch Peppa all the time. I, I like Peppa. Occasionally, he'll speak with a little bit of a British accent. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> and 
from the time he he'll get up and he'll be like, I need to watch Peppa. Oh, <laughs> and we just we'll turn it on. Like we have not limited Peppa. The, somehow we keep finding ourselves in this position where we're like, there's no limits anymore. Like right. all, we've we've backslid to like anytime he wants to watch, we just let him. Mm-hmm. And that's where we are right now. Um, when he was. So he just turned three. Okay. When he was maybe one or so, because mm-hmm. um, from the t- and I don't know if all babies are like this, but from the time he was uh, out of my womb, he was fascinated by you know phones. Okay. I I just think that they're just very eye catching to yeah, a baby. Yeah, of course. Um. So Daniel felt like it's really bad. Um. It's mess. You know, he would pull up all these studies that show that they shouldn't be around, and so we right. tried to limit it. But in general, I felt more like he's going to be fine. It's going to be okay. Yeah. But then at some point, and I realized this story is meandering, and I'm forgetting like the specific ages. It just we we keep going back and forth. I feel like he's. I started agreeing with Daniel that like when he's he's not present when he is playing with a phone mm-hmm. and he's also not happy like that's what i that okay. was the main thing i noticed yeah he would be looking at something at you know his little cartoons on youtube uh-huh. but he would get really upset because he couldn't find the specific one well, we're dealing with that right now with yeah the yeah and i saw this happening where he was like an addict who couldn't get his fix uh-huh and not only did I feel like he was watching too much? I'm like, it's not bringing him any happiness. Right. So then we cut out all phones and he, but he okay. could still look at his, um, fire tablet, uh-huh. Kindle, um, and occasionally at an iPad and still at the t- television. So we're not really, we were just, yeah. just phones seem to be the real They've thing. really sucked him in. Yes. To he wasn't paying attention. Was to it, yeah, so exactly. He, yeah. And also was, it was making him unhappy and frustrated. Okay. So, that had a really good effect kind of immediately when we, I mean, and interesting. Okay. It just turned out that the phones were all broken in the house suddenly. Wow. You know? Crazy. And your, your <laughs> what, tablet disappeared. What are the, what so are the weird. chances? Yeah. Um, occasionally I will still, he'll ask if he can watch something on my phone. Mm-hmm. It's always this, it's the same video of him talking about a spicy cheeseburger <laughs> over oh and over. It's six minutes of him talking about oh a spicy gosh. cheeseburger. Okay. And he, he wants, just always wants to watch spicy cheeseburger. So I will let okay. him, but he's more reasonable about it now. What about at restaurants? If you go to restaurants, we, we try to not go to restaurants, but when we do, I whip out the phone. He, you know, I'm not opposed to letting him have something at a restaurant yeah. if, if I think it'll make the situation easier. Uh-huh. But for some reason, I think he's maybe he hasn't really wanted it in a restaurant. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I will. I very easily default to a phone at a restaurant with my youngest. He does not want to sit still. But we'll go to like Hibachi mm-hmm. and that's a good place because they don't want phones there. Right. Uh, but I, I do feel bad. I feel like people are judging me when I'm at a restaurant and I whip out the phone. Yeah. But then when I see another parent and right. make eye contact and I think we're in this together, it's fine. They can I, judge both of us. I have seen a lot of judgmental stuff on Twitter about that. But at the yeah. same time, I feel like, do, do you know what this experience would be like if they, if they exactly. didn't Exactly. We're doing this for you guys. We're yeah. not doing it for us. Right. I don't know. It's... Uh, I. I'm not into judging other parents. I mean, unless they're okay. they're uh, deserving. <laughs> I know. Unless they're really awful to their kids. Right. But in general, I feel like everyone's just trying to get by. Everyone's trying their best. And that's a realization I had recently where I realized that my mom didn't know what she was doing. My dad, whoever, does anybody know what they're doing? No, we're mm-hmm. just faking it. I've been dealing with imposter syndrome recently. Have you ever felt that? Oh, 
Have I ever not felt okay, that? Okay, good, good. Yeah, with that's this, one of my very quick go-tos. Yeah, and it's I, – I don't think I'm ever going to feel – like I'm good. I, mm-hmm. I'll have to become like a doctor or something, and then I'll still feel like I'm an imposter, right. with, despite my medical degree. Right. It's just how. It is. In what arena are you feeling it? Uh, media literacy for I sure, I, and I think it's because it's a very intimidating place to go, mm-hmm. and um, like vitriolic place to go, I guess. Right. But I'm enjoying it, and I think you deserve to be there. You oh, have something thanks. to say. Thank you. Thank you. Let's take some questions okay. from listeners. So I'm on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen is where you go for all sorts of fun stuff, um, rewards, etc. And then also I've got some questions that came in on Twitter. And we have a little song. When we ask to send them in, they're wondering how you have been. So thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans. Okay. Whitney C. says, what's something you do when you are treating yourself especially kindly? Oh, gosh. Well, I'm not very kind to myself. I'll probably read a book. Speaking of being kind to yourself, I'm reading one on self-compassion right now because I don't feel like I'm nice enough to myself. What book so I'll is read it? A book. It's it's. I think it's called The Art of Self-Compassion. Oh, <laughs> it's very good. But if I can just, I I really enjoy just being by myself. I can just sit in my room and be by myself, and that's what I do. Because I think as a mom, you feel guilty if you're not doing something. Mm-hmm. So that's what I do. The first time I had a babysitter for. Elliot, I was going to say for them, but Owen wasn't here yet for Mm -hmm. Elliot. And I just had someone come twice a week in the afternoons for a few hours at a Mm -hmm. time. And at the beginning, it was just to get work done. Uh Because I didn't realize that like, I had this fantasy that, oh, I'll just continue doing my work and I'll just have, I'll just be holding Elliot in my lap and everything will be fine. I didn't realize. Like Pinterest moms do. They (laughs) just strap them and they can do everything. No. Exactly. I mean, the, and... I didn't know how am I ever going to shower again? How do right. I do this? I don't. I don't know how to do this. Um, so it was really a, uh, a, a like someone throwing me a uh, a rope. When throwing a rope is a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's a, a lifeline. Let's yeah. look at it as a good thing because <laughs> I think a rope would be good to pull myself yes, out when yes. I had. But there was one day where I was like. I don't really have anything to do. I think I'm going to go watch TV. And I felt so bad. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Now I wouldn't feel bad about that, though. (laughs) It's a second kid thing. Okay. Someone named Rick Doty says, I hear you have a very cool dad (laughs) who goes by the name of Chief. I've seen pictures of him. He looks much too young to have a grown child. Were you adopted? He is going (laughs) to love that he is being spoken about right now. It's going to feed his ego. He does look very young. I think he's 55. No, I think he's almost 60. I don't know how old he is. Somewhere between 55 and 60. He takes very good care of himself. He's he does look young. Dad, is that what you wanted to hear? So you're not adopted. No, I'm not adopted. Sorry, I forgot that part. I don't think I'm adopted. We look way too much alike. Um yeah. <laughs> there you go, Dad. Logan wants to know, what is your Taco Bell order? My Taco Bell order. I only get Taco Bell when I'm really drunk. And I haven't been very drunk in a while. The last time I was very drunk is when I decided to stop drinking. And I actually <laughs> think I got Taco Bell. Um I like chalupas. I really like the chalupas, but growing up, I liked the quesadillas, but now there's too much sauce. What do you get? Um, you know, I am trying to think when the last time I went to Taco Bell was. I'm not a big fast food person, oh, although okay. when I was pregnant, I realized 
um, that I had a thing for McDonald's. Love McDonald's. Yeah. Um, but we would go to Del Taco more often. So I, oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I feel like a real jerk that I, I'm not trying. Look, I don't think I'm better than anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not taking offense to it. I, I love struggle fast with. Food. Yeah, I struggle with night eating. So I've got all oh, the problems. Me too. Really? What yeah. do you do? I, I munch on whatever there is. Yeah. My favorite is. Um, Get a piece of bread, toast it, put butter on it, and then cinnamon sugar. Oh, and that's the nighttime thing? It's so good. Is it middle of the night or just late at night? Just late at night. Okay. There will be times when I'm almost asleep and I'll want a snack and I have to talk myself out of it. That's when I struggle the most. That's when my defenses are down. And for some reason, (laughs) the mixed, for some reason, the mixture of being almost asleep, it's like I'm, it's like I'm speedballing, but with sleep and food. Like the idea of being almost asleep and having a little snack is very appealing to me. Okay. Got it. I it's like I your would, nighttime treat. Yeah. Tucks you in. A sleepy time. Um, okay. Jenny said, uh, how did she come to the decision to use locks on her kids' rooms? And did she receive backlash from any family or friends? Okay. So my favorite parenting book is Mom's on Call. It teaches mm-hmm. you how to get your kids on a sleep schedule. And it's just saved. It's it's made me sane. Um, and I've told everybody about it. I feel like I should be getting a commission, but I guess I'm not. Uh, <laughs> but in their toddler book, they talked about uh, transitioning your kid from a crib to a bed mm-hmm. and how you need to take all of the toys out, anything fun, take it out, take books out. Um, so they have no reason to get out of their bed, but also put a lock on the outside of the door. Now, in this book, they talked about switching the actual handle around so mm-hmm. that you could lock it that way from the outside. But I wasn't comfortable with that because if they needed to yell for me, they couldn't. So we right. have a chain lock on the door where it does open enough, which I guess is bad for fingers, but we haven't had any finger slamming in there mm-hmm. yet. Um, but it just keeps them in their room. And I was, um, I think firefighters recommend this too, because if there is a fire, your kid is going to run and hide somewhere. Oh. Well, if there's a fire, you need to know where they are. And if they're locked in their room, you can find them. Right. But I do. Uh, and the thought of them being able to walk around the house at night when they're so little freaks me out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want them. We have this like landing that they could fall off. It's just, I don't like that. Um, but I do. When Trey was four and a half, he wanted the camera, the monitor taken out of his room. So then I took the lock off of his door because if I can't hear him, I don't want him locked in there. Right. We sleep with a very, I don't know if you have to have white noise when you sleep, but I do. Our our fan is so loud that mm-hmm. I can't really hear anything if it's not on the monitor. Right. So um, it's just given me peace of mind, really. Why did he want his monitor out? I don't know. I didn't ask. He just said it was freaky. And I thought, I'm not going to question it. Uh It is how it is. Right. But um, recently, I think he forgot that I took it out and he had a nightmare and he was screaming for me Mm. and he got really upset that I didn't come get him. Yeah. Um, And I said, there's no monitor in here anymore. You have to come get me. So in the middle of the night, he'll come. We'll snuggle. If he gets like worried, he'll come and we'll snuggle for a second. And then I thought he was going back to bed, but he was not going back to bed. He was going downstairs and watching TV. (laughs) And then I would get up at like 630 and I'd go downstairs and and say, oh, how long have you been up? 30 minutes every time. Same answer, 30 minutes. <laughs> and then I woke up at 2.30 and I, a couple weeks ago and I noticed that his light was on in his room and I was like, oh my gosh. And he was just downstairs watching TV and I think he had been doing that in the middle of the night for a while. So we unplugged the TV at night now so that he can't do that. And it's worked. Yeah. No lock so needed. Now he's st- <laughs> yeah. Um, did, when they had locks, did they ever like throw fits trying to get out? Uh, Trey did, but, um, and it wasn't, yeah, I guess he didn't try to break out. He Mm -hmm. just, it was when we transitioned him from a crib to a bed. Um, but Carter, no, he's, he loves his bed. We're Mm -hmm. moving and we want to get him a, 
like he's in a toddler bed right now. We want to get him a big boy bed, but I think we're just going to do both for a while because he loves that bed so much. Mm -hmm. And our new, I mean, our new house is kind of creepy and I won't (laughs) be surprised if they hear noises and get scared. Right. And they don't share a room, right? They don't. Not yet. Maybe they will when we move there to feel a little more safe. Right. To, to have protection from these ghosts. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I, I don't believe in that stuff until I do. Like, right. until it might be a problem. Yes. Yeah. I don't believe in anything either, except a supernatural movie will scare the crap out of me. Me too. I, the Exorcist oh, screwed me up for It traumatized years. me. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Same. I, it was, um, my friend Katie, her birthday is in October Uh and for her, she always had a slumber party. And when we were 13, we watched the exorcist Uh and I didn't even watch it. I just hid under a blanket, Mm -hmm. but it, it's traumatizing. Yeah. I think years. Yeah. Years. Oh yeah. I would hear noises in the attic Mm -hmm. and think I'm about to get possessed because I can't escape that. I can try to escape a murderer. It might not happen. That's what's so insidious about the supernatural stuff is that it's... Yeah. And that's why I don't like it. Right. And also I didn't even see uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, but just the idea of it. Yeah. No, thank you. Exactly. Okay. Um, Stephanie Correa says she made the change from vlogging her life to being somewhat more private. How has she benefited from that? We sort of mm-hmm. talked about that. Mm-hmm. And how does she find time for everything in her schedule? Also, what happened to the diaper bag project she was working on? Oh, that's a sad one. Okay, so how do I find time? Um, talking ba- Going back to mom guilt, uh, we finally got a nanny. And it's the best decision I've ever <laughs> made. For about a year, we had a babysitter. Mm-hmm. And she's actually... She did her best. She, But that wasn't what she wanted to do. She wanted to be in film. So I could tell that there wasn't that passion there for kids. That is a very... I have not had this situation. Uh-huh. That is a very common LA thing. Is it? Yeah, I think okay. it is. Yeah. I know a okay. lot of people whose first nanny or babysitter, like acting is what they want to do. Right. Yeah. So, so I guess because that person might have been easy to find and just looking for right. a job or something. But we finally... We let her go. Um, still friends with her. Great person. But... Uh, I, I hired a nanny agency to find a person. We interviewed four people and Christina, our nanny now, she is like part of the family. We've had her for nine months, I think. And she just came in, took charge. Kids love her. She actually is pregnant. I don't know if I'm... She's pregnant. She's out of the first trimester, so I'm sure she's telling people. <laughs> um, so we're really sad about that, but I'm going to make it – like we love her so much that she's going to go on maternity leave. I'm going to have my mom come out and stay with us for three months, and then she's going to come back. So that's – it's changed our lives. And I felt really guilty about it for mm-hmm. a long time. Even on days – there are some days where I can't work because my anxiety is so bad, and I'll just lay in bed. And I feel so guilty, but at the same time, I know – that my kids are having a better experience mm-hmm. with someone who can be present. Right. And that's okay. And having another person in their life that loves them just like they're her own kids is nothing but good right. for them. And it's, it's more love. Yeah. When your anxiety is so bad that you can't get out of bed, yeah. um, are you ha- are you p- feeling panicky or? Yeah. Panicky. It's hard to breathe. I just have to try to go to sleep. I actually just got a Xanax prescription. I don't know how people take that and function. No, it, it puts me to sleep. It's insane. And then do I wake up covered in sweat. It's oh. so bizarre. I don't think I'll take it often. It's just like a... a an emergency thing. Mm-hmm. But my doctor did recently prescribe me blood pressure medication for anxiety and it helps. I took like some a, today before coming over. A beta blocker or I don't I is that what it's called? I um a beta blocker prevents your a uh, I th- not a doctor. <laughs> I think a beta blocker 
prevents your um, adrenaline response from going. So is your that, body, your like fight or flight response can't happen. Is that what, uh, that's what Xanax is, right? No, Xanax is um, a benzodiazepine, oh. which is like a, tr- it's like a tranquilizer. Maybe it is a beta blocker. I don't know. He said people take it for public speaking. Yeah, it probably is a beta okay. blocker. Yeah. So yeah. it helps a lot. Um, he's like, you can take as many as you want. I was like, I'm not going to take as many as I want. <laughs> but um, you take it like as needed. Yeah. Yeah, or if I have like a if something's worrying me because right. I didn't want some I didn't want something that affects my brain hardcore. Mm-hmm. Right, I'm so done with that. Yeah, beta wanna... blocker is just my understanding is just like a physical thing, so your body yes. can't do the fight or flight. Yes, that's what it is. Um, so that's that's helped a lot. But the diaper bag, so I I'm sure you see them a lot now, backpack diaper bags. Mm-hmm. But when I wanted to design one, there weren't very many around, and so I took the steps. I invested a lot of money. I had a prototype made. I had patterns made picked out fabrics and then uh phil was at a conference in texas and some at the same time i was i was eight somewhere between eight and ten weeks pregnant someone broke into our house when i was home alone with trey and i was terrified i ran to so we have like the landing out um, so where I can see from my bedroom down to the front door, somebody had broken in our alarm went off. Thank goodness. Turned on all the lights and the door was wide open. Oh my God. I didn't know if anyone was in the house. I just ran to Trey's room. He was two, maybe two and a half. He slept through the whole thing. I pushed the dresser in front of the door, called 911. I was on hold for 15 minutes. I didn't know you could be on hold with 911. No. You can. Um, and I, do they play hold music? I, I think so. I don't quite remember. Your call I was panicking. Is very important to yeah, us. right. We'll we'll get to you when we can. Okay, great. Someone could be in my house waiting to murder me. That's awesome. really scary. Yeah. So, and I had twelve percent on my phone. Oh, always Jesus. charge your phone. Yeah. People like always have it charged. Um, so the cops came. There were like eight of them, and I. This is one of the times where I decided that I'm not going to vlog anymore because I actually made a video about it afterwards. But the cops came cleared the house there were eight of them they sent a helicopter so i opened the door finally for the police and they're all there with these big guns and i'm like oh my gosh this is just for me like is everything okay but everything ended up being fine but we think it was a fan of phil's who knew he was out of town oh so he posted about being out of town Mm -hmm. so we're more careful about that now but sometimes we don't think right they're like we're not here but if he's leaving and i'm still home then we are very careful But how did they know where you live to not oh you can find anyone's address. I know. I've, I've been that. I've been told that before, and it yeah. scares me. Um, the day I had Trey, somebody posted our address on online. It's just so easy to find it. So actually, our new house, we jumped through all these hoops to make sure nobody could find it. Somebody still did, but that is how it is. But anyways, so I I was pregnant, and I ended up having a miscarriage oh. because of that. It like happened very shortly oh, after. So, and, and I'm saying it was because of that. We'll never know. Like it may have happened right. anyways, but the timing was too convenient. Mm-hmm. And knowing how I felt from that, um, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Yeah. So I associate that time in my life and the diaper bag with the trauma from that. And right. I just had to stop. I just didn't do it anymore. I was like, every time I look at that bag, I think of the mm-hmm. miscarriage and the break-in and I just couldn't do it. So I'm, I'm happy that more people made backpack diaper bags <laughs> to, to fill that market. To do what you yes. couldn't do. Yes. How, how did you realize someone was in your house? The alarm went off. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, and I think that scared them away, but the fact that they, so we have like light switches near the front door. So the fact that they were able to get in, I don't know how they were able mm-hmm. to get in, uh, but they got in. You flipped, don't have security cameras? Uh, we did, but they weren't working because uh, we just got new internet. 
so they weren't hooked up yet we have cameras now we have definitely made sure um but I was so pissed because I was like, we're going to find out who these people are and we're going to take them down. And we had our IT guy come over. He's like, these aren't hooked up. I was so <laughs> mad. But you know what's so messed up? The next day, I hear a knock on my door and it's it's like two o'clock in the afternoon. I open the door and it's one of the cops from the mm-hmm. night before. And I thought, oh my gosh, he came over to check on me. That's so nice. No, he brought his wife over to look at our hardwood floors what i know and i was like sure come in he said we just bought a new house and i i realized last night that i really like your hardwood floors can my i show them to my wife that's so strange i know i wasn't really mad about it yeah it's nice it's i like our floors too thank you right but so i ended up making a video about it okay and it somehow this was the trending videos were not picked I, I don't know how they made them, but for some reason, my video got put into trending in the comedy section. Mm. So people who were coming to my video were expecting a funny thing. Uh-huh. And it wasn't funny, but it got up over a million views. So many comments of people being either mad that I said I had a gun in the house. Um, for It's not like a fucking crazy assault rifle. It's a home protection mm-hmm. gun. So I said I had a gun. People got mad at that. But they also got mad at the response that we got. They blamed it. They said, you know, if you weren't this oh, rich girl had living that in many this neighborhood. Cops. Yeah. And I, and I didn't know. I had no idea people would take issue with that. Right. Um, but they did. And I should have I should have expected something like that. But I just didn't know it was a problem. But they, they just sent whatever they had available. It wasn't like, how would they know that? I, all they knew was a woman was alone with her toddler. Mm-hmm. There is a gun in the house that she didn't think to grab. And they needed to go make sure everything was okay. Right. So. Wait, they knew you had a gun in the house? Yeah, they asked. Oh, mm-hmm. when they, I see. Um, oh, the idea being that the the intruder could have grabbed the gun. That's what I was thinking. But you didn't, and this sounds judgmental, it's not. Yeah. So in the midst of all this, you didn't think to grab the gun? No, because the gun's up really high so the kids can't get it, mm-hmm. or kid at the time. Um, and I would have had to like get a ladder and it's different now. It's reachable by right. parents now, but no, because I never thought I'd need it Mm -hmm. i don't know i didn't think about it i have a taser now (laughs) do you feel i'm very afraid of guns yeah um i'm terrified of no one needs to send me information please (laughs) yeah i know that's 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 what's gonna happen on this for sure um do you i am very afraid of guns that being said there was a our old apartment was very long Mm -hmm. and my bedroom was in the back and the there were two entrances but no one except us came up the back one Uh um and the front door was like in the front of the house and so i was on the uh the exercise ball bouncing i don't know if you had one of those oh yeah yeah like Mm -hmm. bouncing elliot who was fussy and i was no one else was home and i heard something and i suddenly thought oh my god and my mind just very rapidly like what if someone just broke in and i was like Mm -hmm. i need a gun <laughs> it yeah. was the first time I ever felt that way. Something uh-huh. about having a kid made me yes. change. We mm-hmm. now we don't have one. We didn't get one. Uh-huh. Unless we do have one and we you, did get you're one. You're very safe, yeah. protected house. Yeah. But um but do you feel safer having one? I do. Only because my kids can't reach it, but also I feel like that's how I grew up. I grew up in the south. My dad had a bunch of guns. It's just how it was. I don't I I won't take a stand on guns here, but Mm -hmm. I do feel safer having it, especially after that. I wish I had had the forethought to grab it. However, 
uh, at the time, I didn't really know how to use it. We had just gotten it, which mm. was weird, too. We got it. Well, we had had it for like 10 months because Christmas before. But um, I know how to use it now. And I would feel more comfortable with it. That said, I don't ever want to go to a gun range again. It terrifies me. Mm-hmm. I don't care how many people are there to make sure that nothing's going to happen. I hate that. I, I don't like guns, but I do feel like I might need them. Mm-hmm. When you guys go out in public, are you swarmed? No. Mm-mm. The, people are very respectful. There are times where people come up to us, but there's never been a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I'm I'm sure maybe you've rec- had this happen too, where you just the conversation goes on a little bit too long and you don't know how to exit the conversation. But at the end of the day, these people are support you, and it's nice to talk to. And Phil and I both. That's when we realize this is why we're doing it. Uh-huh. And I'm sure for, like when somebody comes up to you in real life and you have that connection, right. that's so special, right? Really or like when that. someone lets you know that they were going through a hard time and yeah. you helped them. Mm-hmm. Do you get recognized all the time? No. Mm-mm. Not me. He does probably once or twice when we're out. Mm-hmm. Um, and you you can tell when people are like, right. so and so. Oh my gosh. We've been going through this private school process in LA where you have to, it's been a nightmare for six months. You have to interview and your kid gets interviewed and you have to go on a tour and all this stuff. But we went to a tour at a school recently and there was a very big A-list actor there with three names. And so if you, if Phil's like, I can't whisper it to you because if he'll be able to read my, my lips <laughs> and he'll know that I'm talking about him. And it was, it was funny. But you, did, you didn't realize who it was? I, well, he was behind me oh, oh, and oh. he knew that if he told me who it was, right. it was, it was no, I won't say who it is, but um, but off mic you have to. Yeah, I will. <laughs> I mean, big A list actor with three names. Figure it out. Um, but he knew that if he told me, I would turn around and say, "Oh." <laughs> so. Uh, okay. And lastly, Trevin Claw says she works to empower people to think critically about news and media. What does she view as the biggest problem with modern American media? Is it the need to generate controversy in order to generate ad clicks? Mm. Who produces the best media right now? I think the biggest, that's a really good question. Okay. I think the biggest problem is our relationship with the media. I think it's unfair to just blame the media. I think it's the ecosystem that sucks. Mm -hmm. Um, now he, he, I'm assuming it's he, that person is right about sensationalism being a problem. Um, especially when you just, like we're talking about, you just read headlines and you get a completely different view of what's real. Um, but that's how these companies stay in business and that's what they have to do to compete with all of the other, sources i mean news is entertainment at this point and so they have to be able to make money and get clicks and and take sides but i that's also what we interact with so it's also a problem that we have so i think that and and not having an awareness of you know just because it's on facebook it doesn't mean it's true um so i think we aren't educated enough and we aren't empowered enough to make the right decisions and i think the media is just playing the game and it, we need to have an awareness that the media is playing the game. You can't, they're not going to change. You can't mm-hmm. ask them to change. Um, and by demonizing the media all the time, you miss and you discount all of the good journalists that are out there. 90% of journalists work so hard to be ethical and and present you with good information. And, and by uh, when we did the outreach program that I was talking about, there were a lot of people who said, I wanted to be a journalist, but I don't know anymore because they get attacked all the time. And press freedom is slowly declining everywhere but in the united states where i never thought that it would be a problem Mm -hmm. um so i think that's the biggest problem in terms of the best source i 
that's something that I am totally staying away from because yeah. I don't think that's my job to tell you where to look. It's my job to tell you how to evaluate a source. Um, and there's some, but one website that I do like that tells you um, that identifies biases for sources is Media Bias Fact Check. Mm. It's it's really good where you can go and you can see if you type in CNN, it says they are left leaning, and then it rates them on a like a fact scale. Uh, and if they use loaded words and sensationalism and stuff like that. So that's where I would tell people to go. And it's called Media Bias Fact Check? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Lindsay, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. We're going to get to the bottom of whatever place in Orange County you were at. I know. I swear I was, there was somewhere. <laughs> when we were taking a break, I was trying to think about it. Maybe I lied. It I wonder been, if I lied. It would have been in like 2010. 2010. No clue. No idea. I swear. So you... You know what? Let's not do this right now. Yeah, I'll figure it out. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm, I'm going to have home. this that same stilted way that we started. I'm about to bring it back up it's right okay. now. <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> Lindsay DeFranco, thank you so yeah. much. I'm so glad we finally got to meet I in know, person. Finally. It was wonderful having you on the show. You. Tell people where um, they can find the Not So Fast campaign okay. and uh, anything else you'd like to plug. So notsofastcampaign.org is where we have all, our, all of our resources. Uh, on Twitter, it's at heynotsofast. Instagram, not so fast campaign, and then I'm just at Lindsay Franco everywhere. Great, and yeah. I'm at Allison Rosen on Twitter and Instagram. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe, tell a friend, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars is my favorite number because that's the highest <laughs> it goes. If they had six available, I would say that's my favorite. Um, but that helps out the show so much. So thank you so much for all your nice reviews. Uh, and listen to my other podcast, Childish, my parenting podcast that I do with Greg Fitzsimmons. Again, I'm on Patreon. I'm also on Cameo, AllisonRosen.com for anything else. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? We had a good time, but now we gotta go. Rosen is your new best friend.